Blog Talk Radio. Grace Network. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist, and this is Secrets Revealed. Understand the Book of Revelation from start to finish today. We're talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy in the Book of Revelation. Revelation chapters 17, 18, as well as verses 1 to 5 of chapter 19. Today, I'm going to share the prophecy from the book of Revelation, reveal what God has given me about this prophecy, and then we're going to take uh, calls and texts from callers. Thank you for being here with me and with us, excited about our time today. Let's get right to it. The Purple and Scarlet Prophecy is prophecy number eight, prophecy number eight in the book of Revelation. You might say, uh, research scientists, what are you talking about? In Revelation chapter four, John is called up to heaven and he's supernaturally transported to heaven. He tells us what he sees. He sees... God the Father sitting on the throne. He sees four elders. He sees, uh, excuse me, he sees four living beings. He sees 24 elders. He sees some other interesting things. But those aren't the prophecies. That's a report of literally uh, where he was in heaven and what it looked like. Very interesting. Revelation chapter 4. The prophecies. These are documentaries about end times event, end time events, documentaries about the end times, documentaries about end time, uh, end times events. These documentaries were shown to John the Revelator, Jesus Christ, in Revelation chapter one. It's revealed that he tasked an angel of the Lord to show John the Revelator the things to come. And so when Jesus called John up to heaven, he went there supernaturally. He tells us what he saw, and then the angel begins to uh, implement, to carry out, if you will, the assignment that Jesus gave this angel. And so in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, we have John giving us a report of the documentary he watched as he stood in heaven. So in that way, because he's written down everything he saw and heard to the best of his ability, we refer to it as a prophecy, but in fact, as he was watching it, 
it wasn't a prophecy, it was a reality. So all time exists within God. And so in his wisdom, in his power, in his grace, the Lord generated these documentaries about the end times. And by my analysis, I believe that there are 12 of them. John the Revelator was shown these documentaries back to back to back to back. And he writes down what he saw and heard for each one. And at the end, at the end of the very last documentary, the New Earth documentary, documentary number 12, the first thing that the angel says to John the Revelator is, everything you've seen and heard is genuine and true. So what is he talking about? He wasn't talking about what he saw as he stood in heaven looking around. He was talking about all of the documentaries that the angel showed him, these visions that were external to himself. Today we would refer to moving pictures with sound as a movie. And when the movie is about true events, we refer to the movie as a documentary. So in that way, using today's vernacular, we can understand what John experienced. He was watching documentaries about end-time events. The first documentary he saw was the Seven Seals documentary. Then he saw the Seven Trumpets documentary. Then the 1,260 Days documentary. Then the 666 Antichrist documentary. Then he saw the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. Then the Earth Reap documentary, which is about the resurrection. Then he saw the Seven Plagues documentary. And then he saw, finally, we're at documentary number eight, the Purple and Scarlet documentary. Now, what happened immediately before this? He was shown the wrath of God. That's the Seven Plagues documentary. And immediately before that, he was shown the documentary about the resurrection. This gives us timing. Timing. Now, uh, due to time constraints, I want to stay focused on where we are. But uh, we've been talking about the timeline of end-time events and the reality of the first resurrection happening after the Great Tribulation and before the seven final plagues. Let us go to this purple and scarlet prophecy. At the end of the seven plagues prophecy, it's revealed that when the angel pours out the seventh and final plague, there's a great earthquake And one of the things that happens, in addition to the earthquake, is that God remembers Babylon's sins, and Babylon has to drink the wine of the cup of wrath from the Lord. We just get that in part of one verse at the end of the seven plagues prophecy, Uh, That happens in a lot of these documentaries in the book of Revelation. Uh, At the end or somewhere in it, there's a snapshot 
of an event, and then later there's a full documentary about that event. In the same way that uh, in the Earth Reap documentary, there's a snapshot of the Battle of Armageddon. That's documentary number six, but we get an actual full documentary on the Battle of Armageddon, documentary number nine, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, the Marriage Supper documentary. But let us stay here. Let us stay here. What does it mean when the seventh and final plague is poured out and God is remembering the sins of Babylon and God's wrath comes upon Babylon? So let us go to that prophecy. Let us hear it right now. Revelation chapter 18 Chapter 19 and verses 1 to 5. So in Revelation 18, we're going to hear background explaining, explaining what is Babylon and how is Babylon connected to the Antichrist. Uh, That's in Revelation, I'm sorry, in Revelation 17. We're going to hear what is Babylon and how is Uh, Babylon connected to the Antichrist. In Revelation 18, we're going to hear a report of the destruction of Babylon. We're going to, so John watches the actual destruction of Babylon. And in Revelation 19, verses 1 to 5, we hear the reaction, the reaction of people in heaven, that will be us those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, after it has happened uh, and immediately before the Battle of Armageddon. Let's go now to find out what is Babylon and how is Babylon connected to the Antichrist. Here it is, uh, Revelation chapter 17. John the Revelator says, One of the seven angels who had poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me. Come with me, he said, and I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness, There, I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. Let's pause there for a second. So what do we have so far? John the Revelator is shown a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. The beast in the book of Revelation refers to either the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, or the ten-nation alliance. In this instance, the scarlet beast refers to the Antichrist. So whenever you see beast in the book of Revelation, it's referring to 
either the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, or the ten-nation alliance that will dominate political and economic affairs during the Great Tribulation. Let me share with you what I mean. In Revelation chapter 13, it refers to the ten-nation alliance at the beginning. And then later, in the same chapter, the beast is referring to the Antichrist, who becomes the mouthpiece for the ten-nation alliance. In the middle of chapter 13, it says, then there was another beast. And it goes on to describe the actions, six actions of the false prophet during the Great Tribulation. So another beast in Revelation chapter 13 refers to the Antichrist. I'm sorry, refers to the false prophet. In Revelation 20 and elsewhere, but just giving some examples, the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit is referring to Satan. We're going to hear about the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit also here in the purple and scarlet prophecy referring to Satan. So my take-home point is this. When we hear beast in the book of Revelation, we need to look in that verse to see other descriptors to tell us, okay, which part of uh which which individual or entity is it referring to? And it says, There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, that's the Antichrist, that had seven heads and ten horns. And blasphemies against God were written all over it. So these ten horns refer to the original ten kings that lead each king is presiding over one of the ten nations in the ten-nation alliance referred to in Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy. Now notice it says, I will show you the judgment that is going to come on the great prostitute who rules over many waters. Okay, so we're going to hear later that when it talks about waters, we are talking about masses of people of every nation and language. And so this is telling us that there's a great prostitute who rules over many nations, rules over uh, masses of people, excuse me, masses of people of every nation and language. Okay, so who is this great prostitute that's going to rule over masses of people of every nation, every nation and language? Let's keep going. Revelation 17, verse 4 says, The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, 
drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. I stared at her in complete amazement. So who is the mother of all prostitutes that is going to be drunk with the blood of God's holy people? This is the harlot church. This is the one world religion that will accompany the one world government during the great tribulation. So the actions of the false prophet, the final pope, who will be in charge of the one world religion, who will be in charge and overseeing other many religions coming together to say that we are we are all in agreement. We are going to uh, connect to our God. We are in an alliance. And so the final pope, the false prophet, will lead the mother of all prostitutes. Now, why is the language prostitute used? In the book of Revelation, prostitute, reflects the reality of a human being giving his or her love, sharing his or her self from the heart. That's the most intimate, pure intimacy, pure love from the heart with something other than the creator who has created the individual. So God considers worshiping, celebrating, communing with any other God, which it would be a false God, which is a false God. He considers that prostitution, giving one's affection to a God other than God the Father or his son, Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. We're talking about the same God. Let's continue. It says in verse 6, talking about this woman, the great prostitute, says, a mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, Drunk with the blood of God's holy people, who were witnesses for Jesus, I stared at her in complete amazement. Why are you so amazed, the angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns on which she sits. The beast you saw was once alive but isn't now, and yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. So here in verse 8, this is talking about Satan. Whenever you hear the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit, that Satan, and the details of him coming up out of the bottomless pit, uh, that's in the millennial reign prophecy, Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10. Okay, let's stay here. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life, before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. Now, the angel is fast-forwarding in time and 
telling about the trajectory of the life of Satan. So we learn later in the Millennial Reign Prophecy that Satan is going to get into hand-to-hand combat with an angel. Here on this present earth, the angel is going to take Satan and put him in the bottomless pit underneath the earth, bind him uh, in a chain, lock, lock him in the bottomless pit, and he's going to be there locked in that bottomless pit for a thousand years when he's then released. And so when he's released, it'll be a thousand years, and those whose names aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that will, that will be a distant memory. Satan will be something that they had no experience with because he hasn't been, hasn't been around for a thousand years. So this angel is taking us uh, through John the Revelator far into the future, talking about the trajectory of Satan's life. Um, but let's stay with it. This prophecy has a lot of layers. That's one of the layers. Then let's keep going. Verse 9 says, this calls for a mind with understanding. Okay, and then there's a colon. So it's something new. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come. But his reign will be brief. Then it says, the scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. Now, destruction in the book of Revelation always refers to the second death. The second death is what happens when an individual or entity is thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death. That's permanent. That's a person going into Gehenna the lake of fire. So what are we being told here? The scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king. He is like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. In the marriage supper prophecy, that's the prophecy after this, that reality of the battle of Armageddon and the antichrist and false prophet being captured. But right here we're talking about the scarlet beast as the antichrist we see in revelation chapter 19 verses 20 and 21 the antichrist is captured and just like the angel saying here he's thrown into the lake of fire he is destroyed he experiences the second death that's destruction so god has five enemies god the father has five enemies jesus christ is going to take each of these five enemies out then we transition to a new earth. Who were the five enemies? In the order of their destruction, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death. Okay, let's keep going here in the purple and scarlet prophecy. We just ended with the scarlet beast that was, but is no longer, is the eighth king. Now, this is very tricky here because we're thinking in our ways of of thinking with respect to time 
So we, the Antichrist is here, but we are looking forward to the emergence of the Antichrist. This angel has the benefit of knowing what's in these documentaries. So when he says the scarlet beast that was but is no longer is the eighth king, he, he is no longer in the future, but right now he is. Um, but it, then he clarifies and says he's like the other seven, and he too is headed for destruction. So first he says the scarlet beast that was but is no longer, and then the same angel says in the same verse, he too is headed for destruction. So there's there's a moving forward and, and backwards and then forward in time. So there's some uh, complexity there with that, but we have uh, unraveled that. Then it says, the ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. Now, John the Revelator, this was 2,000 years ago. They hadn't risen to power 2,000 years ago. Those ten nations didn't even exist. These ten nations are in our time. They're in our time. For the end of the age. So now the angel's going back to his time. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. Okay, then he describes what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. He says, they will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. This is described, the ten kings reigning with the beast in Daniel chapter 7 and in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. It says, continuing here, verse 13 of chapter 17, they will all agree, talking about these ten kings, the leaders of the ten nations, they will all agree to give him, who's him, the scarlet beast, who's the scarlet beast, the antichrist, they will all agree to give him their power and authority. We learn in Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy that there is a ten-nation alliance that will dominate political and economic affairs, a one-world government during the great tribulation that will last 42 months. The Antichrist will emerge as the leader and will grow in power and authority. It culminates with, as reported uh, in Revelation chapter 13 and here in verse 13 of chapter 17, they will all agree to give him their power and authority. So the Antichrist will become, uh, not, not only will he be one of the kings of the nations, but he will become the mouthpiece of this ten-nation alliance. Now, in the book of Daniel, it's revealed that he's going to put down three of the kings, so they'll be at 1.10, he's going to put down 3, so 10 minus 3 is 7, and when he puts down 3, you guessed it, then he becomes number 8. So that's why he's also referred to as the 8th king. When you think about this, understand we're thinking about chronological time, but when the angel is, is reporting the story, the angel is moving to different points in time, but still talking about the same key players. Okay, let's continue. Together, they will go to war against the Lamb, who's they, the Antichrist, and the other kings. Together, they will go to war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and king of all kings. Up. Oh, 
let's pause there. The angel has done it again. He's fast-forwarded in time. When is the Antichrist, the scarlet beast, going to go to war against the lamb, the lamb being Jesus Christ? That happens at the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon hasn't happened yet. That's in Revelation 19. That's after Babylon is destroyed. But he's giving key events connected to the Antichrist and these ten kings and the ten-nation alliance. It says together they will go to war against the Lamb. So the kings of the world, that's referred to in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and King of all kings, and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. So uh, uh, those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're invited we're invited to the marriage supper. We will be at the Battle of Armageddon where we will see Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven defeat the Antichrist and the kings of the world. Now, you might say, why is the story told like this? Why don't they just say, okay, at time A, this happens, and in time B, this happens, and time C? What I see here is a report of key key events with the Antichrist and uh, realities about who he is, how he's going to move, and ultimately what is going to happen. Now, the Antichrist is not the center of the purple and scarlet prophecy. He's not the center of it, but he has to be in it in order for us to understand the destruction of Babylon. So we're going to see in a moment God is going to use the Antichrist to destroy the headquarters of the Harlot Church, the physical location, the headquarters for the Harlot Church. Let's keep going. Then the angel, we're in verse 15 of Revelation 17. Then the angel said to me, the waters where the prostitute is ruling. So who's the prostitute? It's the one world religion promoted by the false prophet. The false prophet is the false, uh, the final pope. It says, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns, all the prostitute. Now, this is very interesting. I don't see anywhere else in the book of Revelation where this secret is revealed. Let's hear that secret again. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. Have you noticed that sometimes people who are very hungry for power, even when they acquire a lot of it, they have hate for other people who have power? Almost as if that other individual having great power is somehow depriving them of something. So, uh the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to work in tandem together. However, the prostitute is the one world religion, and the ten horns are the kings of the ten nations. This says the Antichrist and the kings of the one world government all hate the one world religion. Now, that's very interesting because the one world religion, the harlot church, a false 
Christianity that will allow all these other religions that do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're going to uh, allow these other religions to uh, get into a pact with them to be the, they're going to be the mother of all of these false religions, telling them that we're all worshiping the same God. Uh, Let's connect together. Come be a part of this. We're going to bring peace on the earth because we're all going to be in the same religion. We're we're all in the same religion because uh, we're all a part of this one world religion now, the one world religion led by the false prophet who's going to do miracles, who's going to commission a statue of the Antichrist and uh, require people to bow down and worship the Antichrist. So the Antichrist and the false prophet are flunkies of Satan. They're going to destruction as reported in Revelation chapter 19, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Before the battle of Armageddon, now we're here. We're learning about the one world religion, the prostitute, where uh, the leaders of this religion wear purple and scarlet. There's a religion where the leaders are clothed in purple and scarlet. I think you know what that religion is. The cardinals wear one color, the bishops wear another color, and the city... Referred to here, it says the woman represents, uh, it says the seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. The city of seven hills reported in every encyclopedia I have looked up. It reports that the city of seven hills is Rome. Can you think of a religion where the headquarters is in Rome? And where the leaders of that religion wear purple and scarlet. I think you can. And so we are on the same page if you are reading the pages of the Bible. Now, let's stay with this secret. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. So this is very interesting. They hate the one world religion. And they hate. Uh, the headquarters where this one world religion, this one world religion is operating from. It says, they will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purpose, Purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast. So again, these ten kings are going to give their authority to the Antichrist. And so the words of God will be fulfilled. Here's the key verse, the last verse of Revelation 17. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. So the woman, the woman is Rome. The city of seven hills, the city clothed with purple and scarlet, the city that's the mother of all prostitutes. Rome is going to become extremely, extremely powerful, and it's going to have wealth 
beyond anything that we've seen in New York City, in Hong Kong, in Zurich, uh, it's going to become extremely powerful and extremely wealthy. Uh, Let us continue. So we heard Revelation 17. It's revealing the secret of uh, many secrets. The Antichrist is the scarlet beast. The woman is a city. And uh, this city, the headquarters for the harlot church, Rome, is going to rule over masses of people in every nation. Now, how can this city rule over masses of people and the Antichrist hates the city and the one world religion? So by requiring people to share their love, to give their affection, to worship a false god and come under the one world religion, uh, by doing that, they are in control of the destiny of these people. These individuals are all on their way to the great white throne judgment. They're going to experience the first death, And then ultimately they're going to participate in another resurrection and they're going to stand before God to have their cases heard. Let us continue. Uh, Wait, let me pause for a second. The Antichrist and the Ten Kings, they hate this city. They hate this city, Rome, which is going to Uh, be extremely wealthy and extremely powerful. It's ruling over the kings of the world. It has seized power. It appears that it has seized power in a way that angers the Antichrist. So we know from Revelation 13 that the Antichrist and the false prophet work in tandem together. But something has happened at the end. So... The Great Tribulation is three and a half years. Sometimes people who work together and say they love each other, they fall out. Something happens. Uh, We're not told exactly what happens, but we're told that at the end of this thing, the end of the Great Tribulation, the Scarlet Beast, the Antichrist, and the Ten Kings, they hate the headquarters for the Harlot Church. They hate Babylon. They hate the city Uh, of seven hills they hate rome and it says they will strip her naked eat her flesh and burn her remains with fire they're going to burn this city down they're going to burn down this city the headquarters of the harlot church and verse 17 revealed to us for god has put a plan into their minds a plan that will carry out his purposes So they're going to carry out the will of God. God can use anyone to carry out his plans and purposes, those who are team Jesus as well as those who are team Satan. So he's going to use these individuals who are team Satan to take out the great prostitute, the mother of all prostitutes, the harlot church, the one world religion that will be presided over by the false prophet the final pope let's go now let's continue revelation 18 
Revelation 18, let us hear now the reality of that destruction. So remember, when the seventh and final plague is poured out, is poured out as revealed in Revelation chapter 16, at the end, one of the things that happens in addition to a great earthquake is that it says God remembered the sins of Babylon. Now we're hearing about how Babylon is going to be destroyed, the reality of how, how does it all come together? How does it all come together with uh, Babylon being destroyed? John the Revelator says this to us, Revelation 18, verse 1. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. Let's pause there for a second. Every nation, including the United States of America, including Canada, including Mexico, every nation is going to be touched by the one world religion promoted by the false prophet. And there are many who will be deceived. They will be deceived by the splendor of the one world religion, by its riches, by its power, by its seductive words, by its inclusiveness. Have you noticed that inclusiveness has become code word for good uh, or, or morality? And the Bible says exactly the opposite. It says exactly the opposite uh, the only way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ, not through inclusiveness. We can't allow uh, false gods to uh, be in our hearts. We can't worship them. We can't include them in our worship. It says, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Let's pause there for a second. I was watching a program on YouTube, and there was a, a young woman giving her testimony, and she talked about how uh, she lives here in the United States. She's a first-generation uh, she's a first-generation American, and her ancestors are from Haiti. And she revealed that uh, Haiti has voodoo as its national religion. Now, I don't know the details about that. I'm reporting what she communicated. Now, what's the relevance to what we're talking about? Nations are going to make this one-world religion, they're going to make it the religion of the country. They're going to, the, the kings and leaders of the world are going to promote this inclusive one world religion presided over by the Pope, the final prophet, uh, excuse me, the Pope, the false prophet, the final Pope, the false prophet, uh, the kings of the world are going to be deceived. They're going to get into agreement 
not only with the one world government, but also with the one world religion. And it says they have committed adultery with her. So in other words, they're going to cheat on God, and they're going to give their affection to a false god, to Satan, to the Antichrist, to Satan, to the false prophet. Then it says, because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Can you imagine if, imagine a one world religion that has persuaded, let's just be conservative and say 50% of the world to be a part of it. And they say, oh, if you love God, give, give to God. And so they're going to send their money where? Straight to the final pope the false prophet, and it's already a very uh, wealthy enterprise. It's going to grow extraordinarily in wealth. And it says, because of her desires for great extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich, and they're going to spend, the one world religion, the harlot church, they're going to spend money, and they're going to make these business people happy because they're going to be extremely wealthy, probably in the trillions of dollars, and they're going to be buying stuff buying lots of stuff, making the business people all over the world very rich, so they're going to be happy with the uh, the harlot church, the one world religion. Let's keep going. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. Every person, I'm pausing for a second there, every person who takes the mark of the beast, who participates in the one world religion has allowed himself or herself to be on the roster of Team Satan. And every person who is on Team Satan is going to participate in the great white throne judgment. And every person who has his or her case heard at the great white throne judgment, will be found guilty because it's only those individuals who fail to go to mediation. They fail to allow Jesus Christ to be their mediator, to mediate the case that God has against them. Therefore, their cases are going to be tried at the great white throne judgment. That's Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, the dead judge prophecy. So what does it mean for you and me? During the Great Tribulation, no person who is Team Jesus will take the mark of the beast. You cannot be Team Jesus and take the mark of the beast. You cannot be Team Jesus and participate in the religion promoted by the final pope, the final pope, the false prophet. Verse 5 says, for her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brewed twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury. So match it now with torment and sorrow. This uh, harlot church is going to be very wealthy, very, very wealthy, uh, again, spending lots of money. We're going to hear in a moment about money on what. It says, then in verse 7, continuing, she boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death 
and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire. For the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Now let's pause there, verse 8 of Revelation chapter 18. More about that secret of the destruction of the headquarters of Harlot Church, Babylon, that city, is revealed here. She will be completely consumed by fire. Now remember the angel told John in Revelation 17 that God was going to use the hatred that the scarlet beast and the ten kings have towards this very wealthy and powerful city, the headquarters for the Harlot Church, they are the people who are going to destroy Rome by fire. So, again, how does it all happen with respect to somehow the Antichrist, the false prophet, the religion? There's a hatred that emerges for the power amassed by the headquarters for the Harlot Church. And so, this fire is not fire that's going to come from heaven to destroy Babylon. God is using his enemies to take out his other enemies. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her. So these are the kings who got into agreement with the final uh, pope, the false prophet. They got into agreement. They said, Yes. We're going to make this one world religion the religion for the people in our nation. This is going to bring peace to earth. Everybody needs to uh, accept this one world religion, accept the mark of the beast, and we're going to finally have peace in the Middle East and peace on earth. Of course, that's a lie from the pits of hell. We won't have peace until Jesus Christ fights and wins the battle of Armageddon and puts down the government of the governments of men and establishes the government of Jesus Christ on this earth. We won't have peace until then, but that's what the kings of the world are going to believe. And so now let's hear what happens. It's time for the destruction of this city, Babylon. It says, And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her. They're going to mourn as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. Now think about this. If there was a city that you thought was amazing and fantastic and it was rich and powerful and wealthy, uh, you know, I, I don't want to name any other cities, but there are cities that some people, they just love. Uh, the Bible refers to the fact that Thebes was an amazing city and it was so powerful yet it's gone. Same thing with Nineveh. That's going to be the same thing with uh, Rome. Let's hear about it. Verse 10 says, and the kings of the, verse 9 says, and the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her char remains. So this is after the Antichrist and the Ten Kings, they have, uh, they have burned this city down with fire. So is it a nuclear bomb? Is it uh, some other kind of weapon? We're not told, but we know that it's fire. And then it says in verse 10, they will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment. So this is going to scare. This is going to scare people. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, 
God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities. Now, we're hearing here in verse 12, what is the one world religion? What The harlot church, what are they going to spend all this money on? This money that they amass, uh, it says, she bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels and pearls, fine linen, purple silk and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood, ivory goods and objects made of expensive wood, and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, wagons, and bodies, that is, human slaves. Did you hear that? The one world religion, it is straight from the pits of hell. What do I mean by that? It's Satan all the way. It's Satan all the way. Yes, the false prophet is going to perform amazing supernatural miracles. But the power behind those miracles is not the power of God. It's the power of Satan. And not only will these individuals shed the blood of God's holy people, including the prophets of the Lord, and Jewish people worshiping our one God in the rebuilt temple, not only are they going to shed the blood of these individuals, but they're going to engage in human trafficking. They're going to be slaveholders, slave owners. Now think about that. The Great Tribulation, it's coming. Very soon we're going to see the green light for Israel to rebuild the third temple. And soon after that, The reality of the Antichrist is going to be revealed to the larger world when he stands in that rebuilt temple declaring that he is God. The the reality of the Antichrist is known today. But to the larger world, let's continue. Verse 14 says, the fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. Now there you heard again, the finest purple and scarlet linens. We heard already purple and scarlet in Revelation 17. Now we hear it again in Revelation 18. There are many clues to communicate to a person who is serious about discovering the truth. You know, we go to the Bible to find out what is true, not to prove that what we already think is true. Right? So we're not lawyers looking for an argument to win our case. We are believers in Jesus Christ going to the word of God so that we will understand the mind of God, the will of God, the plans and purposes of God. Let's continue. Verse 16 says, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. 
She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all of the wealth of the city is gone. Now, they're astonished. Now, when I think of Rome today, it's a, it's a great city, but I, I don't think of it as this amazing uh, powerhouse in terms of its finances or its influence or these things. But during the Great Tribulation, it is going to be incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful financially. In addition to it being the headquarters for the one world religion, the Harlot Church, all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. Now, they said, where is there another city as great as this? So, if we could imagine, put together the the greatest cities. Uh, if we put together the greatest cities today, so let's combine the wealth, the prestige, the influence of New York, Tokyo, Dubai, Amsterdam, London, and Paris. If we do that, perhaps that will allow us to uh, get a sense of what Rome will be like in terms of its influence, its wealth, its power during the Great Tribulation. Okay, let's continue. It says, uh, they will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it's all gone. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world. And you deceive the nations with your sorceries. Now, what are the sorceries? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. False miracles. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceive the nations with your sorceries. I believe this could be saying to us, in addition, that they're going to merchandise whatever false uh version of the the word that they're using in any case we know certainly the one world religion the harlot church is going to deceive the nations with her sorceries it's the mother of all prostitutes the mother of all false religions they're going to create some kind of document some kind of pact where these other religions and their leaders for example um The Dalai Lama is the head of one religion. And then we have uh, 
certain imams that are uh, that are leaders of other religions. These leaders in these religion religions, they are going to work together with the false prophet, and they're going to agree to come under the one world religion, the false Christianity, the harlot church, and in this way they're going to continue in deception. And all the nations of the world, every nation, you might say, no, where I live, we're all Christians. Listen, it's going to be a very difficult time. Many people are going to be deceived. We have to stay in this word to make sure we're not among them, to make sure that we're not among them, that we are not deceived with those who are seduced by the sorceries of the false prophet, the final pope. Then it says, in your streets flow the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. What's this talking about? Before Babylon is destroyed, during the Great Tribulation, many who are team Jesus, who give testimony for Jesus, who refuse to take the mark of the beast, are going to be slaughtered. So we learn in Revelation chapter 12 that the Great Tribulation begins with a war on Israel, those who are worshiping our one God in the rebuilt third temple. After a great flood comes, Satan generates a flood in an attempt to destroy physical Israel, that actual, uh, that actual land. He fails. The ground opens up to receive the water. He's humiliated. And that moment in time, when that happens, when the great flood, they're probably going to say, oh, it looks like Israel's not going to make it. There's all this water. This thing has happened. You know, they, they're able to forecast the natural uh, disasters. But this is not going to be a natural disaster. This is going to be Satan using a great flood in an attempt to destroy Israel. When that doesn't happen... He feels humiliated. He feels angry. And at that point, the decision is made to expand the war on Israel to be a war on not only Israel but her children. It says all uh, who are team Jesus. That's at the end of Revelation chapter 12. And so um, Revelation 13 talks about the attacks on Christians during the Great Tribulation. So Here where it says, in your streets flow the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. It's the false prophet and the one world religion. They are working in tandem with the Antichrist. They are telling people, it's these Christians that we've got to get rid of. It's these these Jesus people who are saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus and and we don't we're saying it's not except through Jesus. People can worship this God and that God. They're going to say there are all kinds of ways to uh be in right standing with God the Father. Of course that's a lie. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man. That's in 1 Timothy and that mediator is Jesus Christ. So the one world religion is going to bring terror upon God's holy people, and so they are responsible for 
they will be responsible for shedding the blood of God's holy people. Let's see what happens now at the end of this. Revelation 19, verses 1 to 5. What's the reaction? What's the reaction in heaven to all of this? I shared in our last two programs about the timeline. We went into great detail about the timeline of all these end-time events. And we see in Revelation chapter Revelation uh, chapter 15 that after the resurrection, when we ascend, when we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, we continue with Jesus, and we learn elsewhere, uh, once we are resurrected, so shall we forever be with the Lord Jesus. We go to heaven for some time. I don't know if it's half a day, two hours, or two days, or two weeks, but we're in heaven. That's revealed in Revelation 15, and it talks about uh, some of those activities. Then... The wrath of God, seven final plagues are poured out by the seven angels. Part of the seventh final plague being poured out is this destruction we're hearing about. So as we're hearing about right now the destruction of Babylon, when it's happening in real time, where are believers? Where are believers? We are in heaven watching it. I believe that the Bible reveals that in Revelation 15. Let's see, let's see what it says here in Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verses 1 to 5. This is the reaction in heaven to the destruction of the headquarters of the harlot church, the destruction of Rome. It says, uh, after this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. Praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen, praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. That truth seeker and friend is the purple and scarlet prophecy. It is the prophecy that reveals the destruction of the headquarters for the one world religion that will be promoted by, led by the false prophet who will work in tandem with the Antichrist as revealed in Revelation chapter 16 during the Great Tribulation. Now what happens after the seven final plagues are poured out? So this purple and scarlet prophecy is a zoom in on one of the events, a key event happening after uh, the seven final plagues are poured out. It's one of the events connected to or that follows after the seventh plague is poured out. The next event that happens, 
The next event that happens is the Battle of Armageddon. So it picks up right there. Revelation verse 6 is the beginning of the marriage supper, supper prophecy. It says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. So what happens after the headquarters for the Harlot Church is destroyed? It's time for the Battle of Armageddon. So remember, the Antichrist and those ten kings, so not all the kings everywhere in the world, but the Antichrist and the ten kings, they're actually going to carry out God's plans. But The Antichrist and the false prophet and those actual kings, the kings of the ten-nation alliance, they're still intact. They're still ruling and reigning. Now, they did something useful. They took out the headquarters for the harlot church, the mother of all prostitutes during the Great Tribulation. That's a useful activity. But they are Team Satan. The Antichrist is Team Satan. The final pope. That's the false prophet is Team Satan. And they, too, are headed for destruction. Now, they go to destruction before Satan. We see this in Revelation chapter 19, verses 20 to 21. Let's be clear on the timeline. The resurrection, we have the seven final plagues, part of the seventh plague, part of its uh, consequences is the destruction of Babylon. That's revealed how it happens in the background uh, on that. That's revealed in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. After the seven final plagues and all of those, uh, all of the wrath of God released with the seven final plagues, after that is complete, we go to the culminating event the war to end all wars, that's the Battle of Armageddon. Have you noticed that in several places of the Bible, it says that when Jesus Christ comes to fight the Battle of Armageddon, he comes with all his holy ones? I used to wonder at that. I used to wonder at that, like all his holy ones, and I think, well, I'm one of his holy ones. Am I fighting in the Battle of Armageddon? But then elsewhere it says he's coming with the armies of heaven. So here's what I believe that the Bible reveals in the book of Revelation. When the first resurrection happens, immediately following the first resurrection, continuity with all believers, us being in our immortal, incorruptible, glorified bodies, We stay with Jesus Christ. We return to heaven. Now, how do we know that we stay with Jesus Christ? Because it says elsewhere in the Bible, once we uh, 
once we participate in the first resurrection, so shall we forever be with the Lord, forever be with him how? In body. So we're already with the Lord because as believers, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. But so shall we forever be physically as his bride. So there's the physical connection. In Revelation 19, it's revealed that Jesus Christ comes from heaven to fight the battle of Armageddon. So he comes from heaven on a horse to fight the battle of Armageddon, but when we participate in the first resurrection, he's not on a horse. He's sitting on a cloud, and we rise to meet him in the clouds. There's a secret there. There's a secret there. What's the secret? Revelation 14 reveals that there is the first resurrection. Revelation 15, the beginning of it, reveals that after the first resurrection, we will be in heaven and we will be singing. There's a special song that we sing. As we are in heaven, the seven final plagues will be poured out on the earth, culminating with a, an earthquake, as well as the destruction of the headquarters of Harlot Church, of the Harlot Church, the headquarters of uh, the Harlot Church, which is wrong. We will leave heaven after the seven final plagues have been poured out, and its consequences have been realized on this present earth. We will return with Jesus Christ. Jesus leaves heaven on a white horse. The armies of heaven follow him on white horses, and we are invited as his faithful and called and chosen ones. And as it's revealed here in Revelation chapter 19, we're prepared. And we have an outfit too. Verse 8 says, she has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. We're going to wear white to the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, the outfit that Jesus Christ wears, his gear for the Battle of Armageddon is described in the Marriage Supper Prophecy. The armies of heaven are described uh, in the Marriage Supper Prophecy. But I really want us to stay focused uh, right, now, right now on the uh, purple and scarlet prophecy. I hope that this has been an interesting and exciting discussion for you. Um, there are lots of layers in the purple and scarlet prophecy. Just to recap, what have we talked about? You can think of the purple and scarlet prophecy as having three key scenes. Uh, in scene one, the reality of the Antichrist, his past, present, and future as well as his connection to the false prophet and the one world religion are revealed. And the headquarters for the one world religion is revealed. And the true nature of the one world religion is revealed. That's Revelation chapter 17. In Revelation 18, the, there is a report of the actual literal destruction of the headquarters for the one world religion that will dominate 
that will rule over uh, masses of people in every nation. So many people are going to give themselves to Satan. How are they going to give themselves to Satan? They're going to become a prostitute. They're going to take that mark of the beast. They're going to worship the statue of the Antichrist. They're going to believe in Satan. They're going to believe in the false prophet, that he is a man of God when in fact he is a man of Satan. And uh, the destruction of the woman, Babylon, the city, the seat of power for a false Christianity, the mother of all prostitutes. We see the destruction of that in Revelation 18. And in Revelation 19, verses 1 to 5, we see the reaction in heaven, the reaction in heaven to God's judgment being carried out upon the prostitute, the great prostitute Babylon. So that's the purple and scarlet prophecy in a nutshell. I hope that you will... uh, Be with us as we have uh, continued discussion and analysis of the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. It's one of the most detailed documentaries that John the Revelator was shown. It has a lot of uh, layers in it. It goes forward and backwards in time. We're talking about the Antichrist and Satan, but I believe that when you hear discussion of it and you hear the prophecy over and over again, that will help you to be able to recall on-demand information about this prophecy. The learning experts say we need seven, uh, seven experiences with information so that it processes in our learn- long-term memory in a way such that we're able to retrieve. In other words, we're able to access, pull into conscious awareness, that information on-demand, in other words, whenever we want to. So I encourage you to listen Whenever you can, if you can do it in real time, that's great, but you can always go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. Let me say that again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. We have the one-page basic study notes and uh, this program, the archive is there, so you can go back and listen at any time to every program in February. Uh, We're talking again about the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy every Sunday at 12 noon Texas time and every Thursday at 7 p.m. Texas time. So I want to thank you for being with me and with us. I don't see any hands raised. I see some callers in the queue. I appreciate you being with me. Oh, I do see a hand raised. 408, I thought you were gone. I see that you're back. Great, great, great. I'm going to unmute you, 408821, so we can hear from you. Uh, yeah. I talk from where are you calling from, 408? It's Chris. Chris calls from California. How are you doing? Hey, Chris. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing absolutely wonderful, too. I mean, I couldn't ask for a more amazing experience than walking in God's love. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, Absolutely. I noticed you were you said on the uh, on your on the on the blog talk information there it says uh the book of revelation but you know I have to say something about Genesis 
Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, because when you look at the book of Revelation, you'll see red letters. And the red letters is Christ's words. And Christ said he's the alpha, the beginning, Genesis, and the end, the book of Revelation. So he has the responsibility being where he sits inside of each person, which is on the seat of who we are, and set us free from ourselves so that we can come to him with anything that we might need or we have a question about something, you know? So, yeah, Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created old covenant Israel. I know it says heaven and earth, but if you went to the next place in his word where it says heaven and earth mentioned, you'd have to go to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 19, and he's speaking to Israel here. He said, I'm going to make your heaven, because Israel had pride lifted up into the heavenly realm, I'll make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. Talking about a geographical location, which is in Jerusalem. So if you follow the story according to what the Spirit teaches, because man can't teach what the Spirit teaches. That's why people say to me, how come I don't hear this in church? Well, because man can't do this. Only the Spirit can. And when you learn it, then the Spirit will teach someone else through you. But you'll have to be patient and kind and gentle with these people when they're coming into the understanding because they may not get it right away. They may be adversarial. And then they'll have to That's see right. themselves. But yeah. Yeah. That's good teaching, Chris. Amen. Yeah. So it goes on and you, on. But I huh? Do you have a favorite uh uh topic <laughs> uh we were talking about today in the book of Revelation or elsewhere? Uh huh. And what's that? Do you have a favorite topic uh, in the book oh, of Revelation? Well, Are you an you Antichrist know, I, I, person? No, or? I don't. Well, because I have to remember this, and everyone else should remember this as well. Um, like people say to me, well, we have to be obedient to, to the New Testament. And I say, okay, you're going to be obedient to the New Testament, right? And they say yes. And I say, well, when it says in Luke chapter 21, 20, you or anyone else will never, ever be able to obey that verse, ever. So you might as well start getting on with what's really going on because the spirit in you takes you back to when there was time. And God's testimony about what happened when there was time stands forever. It cannot be changed. That's right. That's right. You know, an interesting thing comes to mind. So, um, and thank you so much for calling. I love that you brought up Genesis. When we look at the New Earth prophecy, Revelation chapters uh, 21 and verses 1 to 5 of 22, we see a picture of uh, Genesis anew. We see a, a picture of the reality of us as members of the royal race in our glorified immortal bodies living on an earth that's uh, in Eden where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more grief, no more mourning, no more death. And so I, I love the way you brought Genesis into our conversation because now we have, uh, we've, we've come full circle. People want to talk about 
the Great Tribulation and Satan, and uh, they they feel fear and they feel uh, distress. But the Bible says, "Be anxious for no thing." At the end of all this, God wins. Satan Satan doesn't get to have this earth. He doesn't get to have his vision, his plans, his purposes. Uh, being realized for eternity? No, no, no. We're going back to Genesis before the fall. Well, you got to remember that. You got to remember something. You know, Christ. Remember what he said. Remember what he said. And uh, he said, he said in Genesis, he said, "I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed." Well, he was talking about Christ when Christ was the good seed that came down. And see, when Christ came down. From heaven, heaven was above Jerusalem, and Christ came down and to become a servant to Israel, okay? Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. died an excruciating death upon a cross to demonstrate how much he valued Israel. So what is, what is, who is the devil? It was the sin in the flesh, and he took that, came in the likeness of that sinful flesh, and nailed it to the cross. So... In the first century, they were looking forward to this event that Christ was going to come down. They didn't know that their Messiah was what they what they would call Messiah. They thought he was going to be a victorious coming in all this stuff, and he came in another way. So that was that was what he did for Israel. And then mm-hmm. today, two thousand years down the road, we become aware of God's presence. His presence is always here. And then he shows you what he did in the, when there was time. Because in his love today, there is no end times to it. It's eternal. So you can't go around acting like when you're reading the Bible and put yourself in the story. Because then you bring everybody else into it and you get them confused. And they don't get taught by the Spirit. They get taught by some man, which teaches man conflicting lessons and not the truth and love like the Spirit does. Interesting. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there. You have the last word. We have only about 60 seconds. I'm so happy that you're with us and to hear from you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And we all make mistakes. I know I've made my share, and I probably continue to make some mistakes along the way. But when it comes to the first century language, God doesn't make mistakes. He never taught any of us a conflicting lesson. Only man can do such a thing just as long as we understand that, then we should be clear. Well, it's clear that you are a truth seeker and a brother in Christ. I praise God for you, Chris. I hope you'll be with us again. Okay. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, thank you. you. I'm going to put you on mute as we're ending. Uh, So I want to say thank you, everyone, for being here with me and with us. Thank you, Chris, for... uh, calling in. I invite everyone to be with us again. If you haven't done so yet, according to Jeremiah 33.3, I urge you, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that